you're listening to the Pomerado Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Thank you for spending time with us today. If you're a weekly listener, welcome back. If this is your first time, we're so glad you're here and hope you consider subscribing. If you're in your car, on a run, doing things around the house, or working out, and want to connect even further and take next steps with us, visit pomerado.info. Now, enjoy this week's message. Well, welcome again, everybody. Uh, It's so good to see you all here. And uh, it's great as we are uh, continuing our series called Life on Mission. And I just want to take a moment at the beginning of the message today to uh, just acknowledge um, that Philip just brought such a powerful word last week. Uh, Just really encouraging. He did a fantastic job. I got uh, several really positive moments of feedback from, from many of the congregation just talking about that idea of gather purposefully. And then that question that he asked about two-thirds of the way through that was, if everybody in the church was as engaged as you are, how would we be doing? And on the one hand, that can be uh, a challenge, uh, but one that spurs us on uh, towards growth. And so I uh, just really want to acknowledge that as we're in week three now of Life on Mission, and today we're going to talk about connecting deeply, uh, that there we just... Last week was fantastic as we're setting the tone and looking at five different ways that the church can engage, how we can engage in the mission of the church and how we can live a life that is on mission for God. Now, with that said, uh, we are going to be uh, in Connect Deeply. We're going to be in Acts chapter 2. Before we dive into the passage uh, a lot, I want to mention that um, this is something, this idea Connect Deeply, we're going to talk about community, we're going to talk about what it looks like, what community looks like, how we work in community, why we want to be in community. We'll unpack those things together. But if I can just start off uh, the sermon real, uh, just real honest with you all, this is transparent. This is an area that I think God has been really um, challenging me with. And the reason I say this is because when I was at my previous church, I had been at the church on staff for 12 years. Um, when you're at a, it was a bigger church staff, and so when you're one staff member on a church staff of about, you know, around 100, if you include everybody on staff, it can feel like it's your whole world. Like that's your, those are your friends, those are your small group, uh, people you're in small groups with, those are your coworkers, those are the people you serve with, and it becomes your whole world. And so you get really invested in people's lives, and you get really connected to people. And so it was a real challenge because as I came down here, so uh, this past Wednesday was the four years and four days ago that Steph and I and our family moved down here. Um, no one's counting. Uh, just grateful to be here. Oh, oh, thank you. I didn't ask for that, but I'll take it. Um, no, it's just, it's been four years and four days since we moved down. And I was talking with Steph about it yesterday. And um, what's really tough is that out of all of the friends that I've had at my old church, I would text them and see how they're doing. And, you know, I got, there were times when people who I had worked side by side with for for years just don't respond to texts. And it's one of those where you think, oh my gosh, were we not, like, were we not friends? Like, were we like work friends? But because the church was kind of the whole community, it was big enough that you could kind of get lost in that world. Were we just, were we just like work friends or acquaintances, but not really friends? I've had probably, I could count probably on one hand the amount of people that have responded to me. Maybe two hands, uh, but, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not here for, for your pity or anything. You know, like, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm acknowledging that this 
This is a real thing because we could be surrounded by people and still not connect deeply with people. What I love is that we have an opportunity every, every week for two minutes. We get to greet one another, right? But we could say hi to one another. We might meet somebody new. We might say hi to an old friend. You know what we don't do in two minutes? Connect deeply. For the most part, right? It's not like, in, okay, hey, we have 100 minute and 58 seconds. So tell me about your deepest, darkest sin. <laughs> right? Or, or, hey, we only have two minutes. So why don't you unpack everything that's going on in the past week? It's good to connect. And we love that we can do that. But there's a difference between connecting and connecting deeply. It reminds me of uh, last summer. I believe it was last summer. Um, we ended up getting a pool, a kiddie pool. Don't be too excited for us. And so it's one of those. It was a 10-foot circumference, right, or a 10, 10-foot uh, pool. And so the girls can kind of like walk through it to like, you know, they're, well, they're a little bit higher for them. But like it'd be like our knees. Um, and so they got to like splash around. It was great. But it, it wasn't like a, like a pool, right? It was something to cool off. You compare that, a kiddie pool, to like a normal pool when you go to where there is a shallow end and a deep end. And then you compare that to like if you watch the Summer Olympics. I know the Winter Olympics just ended. But the Summer Olympics in this, uh, this past year, and it's like those high dive pools that like they show the camera. If you got to watch it, it's like they would dive and they would show you the camera and it would show you what it looked like underwater as they landed. And it was so cool to watch. And here's the challenge I think that happens. If you're like me, and maybe you're better at this than I've been, but if you're like me, a lot of the acquaintances we have are kiddie pool shallow friends, or at least kiddie pool not as deep as we would like friends. I don't want to broadly paint a brush that everyone has shallow friendships. I don't want to do that. But unless if we're intentionally investing in, and intentionally focusing on connecting deeply, it could be really easy for us to be surrounded by a lot of kiddie pools and to think that we have a lot of friends when really we have a lot of acquaintances. We have people that we can dip our toe in the water of relationship without getting soaked, without getting overwhelmed, without doing life together in hard times. And so what does it look like for us to know that, yes, we have places in our life. We're not going to be deep with every person we meet. But if we're not deep with any person we meet, then we're missing the life that God has for us. It is not good for man to be alone. We were created for community. We were created to do life together. We were created to love God and love others. We are created not just one-on-one -on -one relationship and not just, not just shallow pools. We we're, were created to have depth in our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. And when we do, our lives and the lives of those around us are changed for eternity. Will you join me in a word of prayer as we get ready for what God has for us? Father, I thank you so much for each person who is here, whether here is with us in the sanctuary, whether here is watching online live, whether here is listening to the podcast later or um, watching the sermons video later. God, each person who hears my voice is someone that you have created and you breathed life to. And you created us to have a right relationship with you. And you created us to have deeper relationships with one another. I pray that as we dive into your word, that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in a personal, powerful, impactful way to each and every one of us. We love you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
as I mentioned, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, and then we're also going to be in Hebrews chapter 10 for a few verses. So we're going to, we're going to go to a, different, a few different spots. If you brought a Bible with you, that's where we'll be. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, uh, we have Bibles in the seats in front of you if you would like to grab one so you could come along or so you could be on the same page with us. But as we look at connecting deeply, how do we get beyond kitty pool friendships? And how do we develop the kind of friendships that, you know, we won't go from kiddie pool straight to the high dive, but maybe we make our step from a shallow pool and going slowly into the deep end until we're ready to find those people that we can um, dive deeper into a relationship with. Last week, uh, as I said, Philip did a great job. He talked about being devoted and really focused on that idea of, of being devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship of the breaking of bread and prayer. And what I want to do is kind of springboard. He, that was Acts 2.42. I want to springboard off of that into 43 through 47 and to read a little bit about this here. Because first off, the first question is, or the first aspect of our service today, of our sermon today, is going to be what the church does to connect deeply. Like just a list of things that they do. What did we see in the early church in Acts 2 when they were devoted to fellowship? Fellowship, if you're newer to church, um, is like, to me, when I was new to church, I didn't quite understand what it meant. Um, it's one of those where it's like, there was like worship, and then there's like fellowship, and there's like discipleship, and like a battleship. I don't know. I didn't understand all the different terminologies of them. But fellowship in the Acts 2, it's this idea of, of community, but even more so, it's this koinonia word in Greek, which is like the having things in common. It's recognizing that what unites us, the commonalities we have together, can supersede and overcome differences that we have. It's the idea that we draw close to one another because Christ as our common Lord, our one Lord, one Savior, the one that we focus and live our lives for, that can unite us. He can unite us in a way that where the world would see differences amongst us, Christ's love unites us. It's having fellowship. It's having things in common. So I'm going to continue verse 43. 43 is not on the screen, but verse 44 will be. So 43 says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And then verse 44, All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And I'll stop there for a moment. They had everything in common. Do you have, let's, let's ask, do you have everything in common with anyone in your life? Like everything in common. Like I'm thinking about go, go on social media, go on Facebook and just look at your feed and the, most pe the people that you see most. See how many things do you have in common with everyone? Do you have everything in common with anybody there? It's the idea of like social media allows us or maybe affords us the false sense of friendship because we think that a friend is someone that we follow and from a distance keep an eye on every once in a while to see what they're up to. We think that a follower is something that, not someone who gives their life to follow Jesus, it's someone who clicks a follow button and will keep an eye on things from a distance. If we apply our followership on social media to our followership of Jesus, then we are falling woefully short of a life lived for him. And if we are applying our idea of friendship on social media to our idea of friendship with one another, again, we're falling woefully short of the type of community God created us to have. 
The question I have is, even with the disciples, Jesus' disciples, there were 12 of them, and we, we've talked before about how within that group, they were all different personalities. There were several fishermen, right? We know that. But then even politically speaking, or even in, the, in, their, in their culture at the time, there's Simon the Zealot who wanted to overtake the Roman Empire through force. That's what zealots were. Uh, we use it as someone who's really passionate about something, but the idea came from someone who wanted to upheave or, or, or to overthrow the government that was um, taking over the Jewish people at the time. So there's a zealot. And then on the other side of the spectrum is Matthew the tax collector who was working for the government. So they did not have everything in common. So the question I have for us is what ends up happening is we think we need to, in order to have those deep friendships, we have become such a, um, an echo chamber society. What I mean is that we only want to listen to people who say the, think the same things as we do. This is, not a, this is not a knock on anybody specifically, but many people are only moving to places where politically align with their thoughts and their beliefs and ideologies. We only watch certain news stations. We only do certain things so that then we are in an echo chamber where once we see someone who is different or hear a different perspective or look at someone who's different than us, we all think, well, obviously, everything we're listening to is, says that we're right, so therefore that person must be wrong, therefore they are other. Now, let me be clear. This is truth. God's word is truth. I'm not saying, oh, well, then there's this truth, and then there's, there's other truth about relationship or, you know, faith or thing, religions. This is true. But this is the only religion that allows us to then have a heart to love our enemies, to love people who are different, to pray for those who persecute us, to bring in people who are maybe hostile, to bring them in with hospitality and to make that journey take place so those far from God would come near to God. That this is what allows us, Jesus and his word and the Bible allows us to have the example of recognizing we don't have the opportunity as Christians to cut people off because they're other. Because while we were still sinners, while we were still other, God demonstrated his own love for us, that he died for us. That while we were far from God, Jesus bridged that gap. He made a way. And so now we can bridge that gap to those around us. So maybe the question is, not can you find someone that you have everything in common with, because that doesn't often happen. But instead of worrying about having everything in common with someone, may we switch our minds to say that what we have in common, which is Jesus, is everything. Not trying to check a list like, oh, they believe this and they think that and they agree with this. If Jesus is what we have in common, that's everything. He is everything. Because if Simon and Matthew, the tax collector, can be in the same inner circle as Jesus, and they learn to love one another, we too can do the same with those around us, for whatever division there may be between us. They had everything in common, or rather, what they have in common, Jesus, he is everything. We continue on. It says that every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. So go to the next slide. 
Notice this, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. So every day the believers, those who were devoted to fellowship, devoted to time together, devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to prayer, devoted to the breaking of bread, every day they met in a large group. Every day they met in a common area that was out in the open, that they could um, meet and listen and pray. But then go to the next verse. It also says, uh, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the, of all the people. Excuse me. They committed themselves. They were devoted, as we heard last week. They were devoted to meeting together in large groups, and they were devoted to meeting together in small groups. The people that I've been close to in my life, the, the friendships that I've been able to stay, have, have kept in touch from my previous church. You know what we have in common? You know what those relationships have in common? They were people that we just decided we're going to meet once a week or every other week. And we just put it in our calendars. And it wasn't that we waited for the perfect person or the perfect friendship to, and then we started trying to make friends. It was we devoted ourselves to meeting and in so doing, we became the friends that we needed for each other. One of the dynamics that, you, that uh, I've heard a lot recently is that when it comes to people who um, are getting married later, and people are also breaking up with people quicker or over more things earlier in a relationship, because the mindset has become that when there are several dating apps and several ways to feel like you can have many fish in the sea, if you will, we can find, oh, this person chews too loudly. Therefore, I'm going to break up with that person, right? This person believes this or thinks that or, or you know, likes the wrong team, whatever it is. We find small reasons or people will find small reasons to cut off a relationship. But then what happens is that the, the mirage or the concept of thinking that there's a big ocean ends up being, no, there's just a lot of shallow pools. And it's hard for us to get to know one another because we keep cutting people off because they don't fit all of our everything in common. So then we reinforce an isolation that says no one can understand me. No one can love me. No one can know me. And if we believe that, then we're going to have an incredibly difficult life because when things are tough, who can you turn to? Who are the people that, if you know you're struggling, you can call? Some of you have a list. Some of you realize your list is much shorter than you thought. What does it look like for us to commit to meeting in big groups? So yes, as a church, it means meeting in person, online, as a, as a church. It also means meeting in small groups or in a home or in ways that you can go. You get to know people a little bit here, but you can't go super deep in two minutes of greeting. But you can go much deeper if you're in a small group together or a Sunday school together or a Bible study together. You can get much deeper if you're having one-on-one -on -one coffee with somebody. And if you just commit and say, let's meet weekly or let's meet every other week. Let's meet monthly and let's commit to building a friendship here so that we could become the friends we each need. So what did they do? 
they had everything in common, or rather they realized that what they had in common, Jesus, was everything. They met together, large groups, and they met together. They were committed to that. But how did the church connect deeply? Because we can meet together. You can, I can have season tickets to go to the Padres. I wouldn't. I could. I wouldn't. But I could go and have season tickets and sit next to the same people several times throughout the year and not get to know them at all. So proximity does not equate to intimacy or closeness, right? Being near someone, sitting in the same seats here at church, near someone who usually sits in the same seats near you, doesn't mean that we're getting to know one another on a deeper level. It just means that we have, we like to sit in a similar view. It means that those, everyone on this side likes to see my mole. That's what I'm saying. It just, it's very important. Just kidding. How the church connects deeply. What is it that they did? Not just what, but how they met. Because how we meet is so vastly important. If you'll jump with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 24. The author of Hebrews says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's leave it up here for a moment. I highlighted that first part of, let us consider how we may spur one another on. This word spur has this idea of a, um, exasperation or an irritation. So in order to illustrate, you guys know I like to kind of use visual aids if I can and um, pull up pictures. So when the weather gets cold, like my skin gets really uh, kind of dry, and I just find myself scratching my hands or scratching my legs, and it could get really irritating. So I have a picture of here. No, I don't. I'm not going to show you that. It's weird. Um, but recognizing that, you know, there's these, there's these exasperations, like there's an irritation, and, but it's not done out of spite. It's not done to cut someone down, like, oh, you always do this, or you never do this, or you're awful at that, or how come you can't be like... It's a spurring on towards good deeds. It's an, it's an exasperation to make you better. So I started, uh, seven weeks ago, I started uh, Weight Watchers again. I'd done it years ago, lost 42 pounds, uh, gained most of it back over the, the, the span of several years. Um, that's why I'm wearing black right now, because I knew you guys would look, and I wanted to be slimming. I'm just kidding. Um, but recognizing that, because, of, so I started losing weight again. Um, I lost, uh, so far I've lost, uh, you know, a decent amount of weight. But you know what hit me this past week? If you've ever been on any sort of, again, not diet, it, it, it's more how, a lifestyle change, right? When you've ever been that point, do you ever get to that point, you're like, I just don't care right now. It's really hard to keep up with tracking your points if you're doing Weight Watchers. Or maybe for some of you, it's, keeping up with having a devotional quiet time in the morning or in the evening. Maybe it's whatever your habit is. You get to a point where you say, I just want, like, I just want to eat the extra helping of dinner that Steph made. Or I just want to be able to have that snack. Or I just want to keep enjoying the food that was made at a Super Bowl party. I'm just saying there's a point where we often say we just, I just, I don't want to, I, I give up. And so I've been in that space the past couple of days and my daughters and Steph, they will, I'll be eating something and I'll get like a second helping of tortilla chips because chips are my weakness and also all foods are my weakness. But, you know, I'm eating chips. And so my sweet daughters would be like, Daddy, how many points is that? 
don't know. <laughs> like, are they, are they trying, are they, are they needling me because they're upset or no? What are they doing? They're asking me a question which can feel a little bit like an irritation, a little bit exasperating, a little bit like a spur that kicks in the side of a horse in order to get it to go. It can hurt, but they're doing it out of love. They're calling me to something better because they know that daddy wants to lose weight. So it can be exasperating. It can be an irritation. It can be a provoking, like needling us. But how can we spur one another on towards love and good deeds? It's when you have a conversation with someone and, and you realize a friend of yours is not communicating with his wife very well. And you think, like, do you realize how this is coming across? Is there any way you can talk to, you can share what's on your heart with your wife in a way that will help her understand rather than just saying this is what you're going to do, right? Or when you realize that your friend, she's spending a lot more time drinking than she had before. And it became just a couple of drinks here and there on the weekend, but now you're seeing that she comes to work and she's a little bit unkempt, a little struggling still. Maybe it's your child or, or a student that you work with that you see they used to be so filled with life, but the past two years have beaten them down and battered their spirit and they have a sense of depression and they exhibit no willingness to move forward. How do you spur them on? How do you come alongside them? When I was depressed and suicidal in high school, I had a teacher who did the right thing and told the counselor, and I was so mad at her. It's like, you betrayed me. But what she did was come alongside me and give me a little bit of a nudge that hurt so that in, in the end I would be helped. How do we spur one another on? How do we maybe nudge each other a little bit that might hurt? but for the purpose of love and good deeds so they can help or be helped. The second thing that we see is that not only did they spur one another to good deeds, but how when they met together, they would continue to meet together. Like they just committed to do that. So not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. This is a thing where when people would ask me, you know, in the early part of the pandemic, hey, when is your church opening up again? And if I could confess something to you, I, that, that question bothers me. You know why? Because church is not a building that needs to be opened. Church is a people. We still met with services. We still had online. Was it different? Yes. Did any of us predict it to be that way? No. Would any of us say, yes, this is exactly how we think the church was meant to be? No. But were we gathering for the purpose of worshiping God? Yes. Were we gathering in order to dive into God's word together? Yes. Were we able to even say hi, even if it was just a kiddie pool level of saying hi to one another on the chat for a few times at the beginning of service? Were we able to connect with one another? Yes. Was it everything? No. But is that still a tool and still an avenue that people that are here with us, it's great, people are watching online, we're having these services so we could still connect and that we still have an opportunity for you to be part of our service for whatever reason you're not here, you're still part of us and we love you and we value you. So the idea is not giving up meeting. The church never closed. It looked different, but it didn't close. 
because the church isn't a building that has a lock on it. A pandemic can't come and shut down the church in the same way that the gates of Hades, we as the church are the ones who knock down their doors. They don't get to break down ours. So let's continue on because there's a, there's a, a quotation from um, Jim Putnam who wrote a book called Real Life Discipleship about community, about the early church. And I want to read it to you together if we could go here. It says, like people today, the early Christians were busy. They had character flaws, bad attitudes, and bad breath. They came from different backgrounds and had different preferences. They had kids, work, and chores, yet their hearts were for their brothers and sisters in Christ. At times they were annoyed with each other, but they still were committed to meeting together. They felt that being together was better than being alone in the faith. We all have character flaws. We all have different uh, beliefs or different uh, uh, ideologies and leanings. We don't agree and have everything in common with everybody in this room or watching online. But what we have in common, who is Jesus, is everything. And so we just commit to meeting together. We show up. How much of the victory is just in showing up day in and day out? We show up to be the leader of our families. We show up to love and serve our spouse. We show up to work and to be and act as a light. We show up and give God our best in our classes. We show up when the world and those around us want to give up. We show up. We dedicate ourselves and devote ourselves to meeting. And then lastly, if we go to the next slide, verse Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, talks about encouraging one another. So how did they meet? Or how did they connect deeply when they were meeting? They spurred one another on, which was hard. It would be painful. It's, it's the idea of conviction and accountability. They devoted themselves to meeting, even when everyone around them was like, yeah, we're going to give up meeting right now. They kept meeting. And then thirdly, they encouraged one another. If you see someone who is going through a hard time, this idea of encourage, it's literally this idea of you put courage inside of someone. When we encourage someone, we breathe life into them. And in the, do, the act of breathing life into somebody, we are like, we're able to do what God does for us to breathe life into us. Literally, we get to breathe hope and encouragement into those around us. We get to see those who are deflated and give them a boost. We see those who are broken. And we get to remind them that a bruised reed, God does not break. And a smoldering wick, he does not snuff out. When someone is in pain, we say, I don't necessarily know what your pain is like, but we have a God of comfort. We have a comforter who is with us. You are not alone. We tell them, Listen, I don't have all the answers, but I will walk with you while you seek them. And I will pray with you. I will help give you courage when you are fearful. Because you know what? The time will come when I will need courage from you. See, we become those friends that we need in the right time. We connect deeply. And if we stay in the kiddie pool friendship, we're never going to be able to lift others up or to be lifted up. Because we'll splash around and it'll feel like friends. But then four years and four days later, when you're reaching out to someone and they don't respond, 
you'll wonder, where did I go wrong? You'll wonder, am I able to connect deeply with people? I talked about the what. They committed to meeting together, met in big groups and small groups. We talked about the how. They needled one another. They, they spurred one another on. They devoted to meeting together. They encouraged one another. But friends, we could talk about all of this as much as we want, but the question we all need to wrestle with is why? Why does the church need to connect deeply? It's not just so we could feel good. It's not just so that, you know, we can be surround ourselves with it. What is the purpose? Why do we do this? Why is this important for us? In order to answer this question, we're going to look at a couple more verses in each of these passages. But the first one is that we are created for community. We're created for it. We were designed to be loved and to love. We were designed to need and to be needed. We were designed to have relationship with others. We were designed to have relationship with God. We are not people who can live on an island. We live in a community. We are created for this. Randy Frizee, who's a pastor and, and he wrote, helped write the story, uh, which our church did years and years ago. He says this about community. Community is not a nice to have addition, but an essential experience for living a godly and healthy life. God intended humans to have rich, life-giving life relationships with each other. Relationships energized and motivated by the actual presence of God among them. Then he goes theological for a second. He says, Adam and Eve experienced this perfect ideal in the garden, but their rejection of God's vision for life together caused humankind to be escorted from the garden and out of community with God. And here's the kicker. This separation from God and the presence of sin in every human being's nature is a perpetual challenge to creating strong community. Because we have sin in our lives and because there's this difference, because there's um, a separation from God and we don't know what community looks like without him, there's a challenge to creating strong community with each other. But it's clear from God's word that people were not meant for separation and isolation. We've said this before. What's the greatest punishment that, what's the punishment that prisons do when someone who's already a prisoner needs to be punished worse? Solitary confinement. It's to isolate them even more. And yet, friends, if we're honest, we spend so much time in the kiddie pool friendships and then we look back four years and four days later and all of a sudden we realize we are much more in isolation than we thought. And it's self-imposed because we're not always committing to just meet with somebody, to open up, to share, and to do life together. We are created for community. And the only way we can experience life has for us is to do life with God and with each other. Number two is that we need each other so we can persevere. We started in Hebrews 10, 24, but just the verse before that 23 says this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then if you read, I'd encourage you later on today or this week, read the rest of Romans, or excuse me, Hebrews 10, because then it talks about how you once were people that when others were persecuted, sometimes you'd stand with them, sometimes you wouldn't, but it talks about how we must persevere so that when you have done the will of God, this is 1036, you will receive what was promised. Friends, 
in this, in this world that we're in right now, if we've been living life isolated, don't we recognize how much more we need people? Don't we recognize how much more we don't just need any people. We need people who will spur us on, who will needle us. I'm like, how many points is that meal? Or how are you doing in this? To breathe life in us and encourage us. We need to hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus. And if we are isolated and separated from those who know and love him, then it would be very easy for us, to, for the enemy to get us on an island. And then we get to the point where we say, I just give up. I don't care anymore. We cannot allow that to happen. We need the hope. Hope to get through pandemics and political strife, hope to get through the ups and downs of our culture, hope to get through difficulties and trials in our workplace, hope to get through brokenness in our relationships, hope when our family and our kids are going off the deep end, hope to recognize that what we have is an anchor of hope in Christ Jesus, that when the wind and the waves and the storm are battering up against us, we have an anchor for our souls that holds us fast and keeps us firm. But friends, what good is an anchor separated from the ship? The storm then just goes off. We must be anchored to our hope in Christ. And friends, we can help one another do that. Then lastly, in the last couple moments I have, is that our love for one another is a witness to the world. Our love, Jesus says, you will be known as my disciples for how you love one another. To close out the last verse in Acts 2 47 uh, part B says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The way that this church, these ragtag people who didn't have formal educations, the way that the power of the Holy Spirit spoke through Peter at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, the way that they lived their lives, that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking bread of prayer, the way that they praised God in awe of what he was doing, the way in which they sold and had everything in common, the way in which they would have and sell their possessions for those in their community who were in need, the way in which they met in large groups and small groups, the way they loved and connected deeply resonated deeply with that world. The way that we can love and connect deeply will resonate deeply with our world. When people see that there are Christians who are coming together, they don't need to have everything in common to know that what they have in common is everything, Jesus. They could spur one another on, encourage one another, challenge one another, uplift one another. And know that when we do this, people can look and say, okay, you guys don't agree on anything except Jesus and yet you love one another. What's that about? Or how can you possibly be selfless enough to give when everyone else in this world wants to take? What's that about? Or how do you have deep relationships with people that are so different from you? What's that about? It's being able to connect deeply, to commit to meeting, and when we do, encourage, challenge, don't give up meeting. And it means that when we do, we, have to, we are a witness. We are stars that shine like in, in a dark and depraved generation. We are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. 
But you know how that happens? Not by just having a two-minute greeting time of connecting in the kiddie pool of friendships. It happens in connecting deeply and opening ourselves up to, yeah, maybe be hurt, but also to be more loved than we can imagine. To close, Timothy Keller has a quotation. It's not on the screen, so I'm going to paraphrase it. It's from the Meaning of Marriage book he writes with his wife, Kathy. He talks about how to be loved but not known is a comfort but superficial. It's like a kiddie pool. To be known and not loved is our deepest fear. But to be known, fully known, and fully loved by others is what it means and gives us a picture of what it means to be loved by God. It eliminates pretense, breaks down barriers, and it shows us what it means to be loved by God. Fully known, fully loved. Because friends, there's nothing you could do that can make God love you anymore. Church attendance won't do it. Serving won't do it. Small groups won't do it. You can't earn his love in the same way that our girls can't earn gifts that we give them. They're just gifts. And you can receive that gift. And you can live out that gift in a way that shares it with others. But friends, there's also nothing you can do to make God love you any less. No matter how far gone you are, no matter how far down the road and you look back at your past and think, following Jesus was so long ago, I can't go back. We know the arms of the Father are, the eyes of the Father are keeping an eye out for you. The legs of the Father are ready to run to you. And the arms of the Father are ready to embrace you, no matter how far you've been. Why? Because just in the same way you can't earn God's love, because it's a gift, you can't lose it. Because it's a gift. You were prayed for, cared for, and loved. And my hope and prayer is that all of us will be spurred on today. Let me exasperate you. You're like, we get it. You've been doing it. Um, let me exasperate or may provoke or needle or spur you on towards loving one another and good deeds by stepping out and being risked fully known, being known. But to know that when you are, you'll be fully loved. Because that shows us how God loves us. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for each person who is um, with us today. And God, we, some of us have been at our church for, for years and we have deep connections. We've been in small groups and we've served and gone on missions trips with each other and we know each other so well. God, I pray if that's, for those of us that that relates to, God, may you continue to help us not to give up meeting and to give up pouring into one another and to give that up as some have been in the habit of doing. Lord, for those of us who maybe are a little bit newer and are still trying to feel our way around relationships, God, may you, may you draw people together and may you help them to meet people that could be the kind of friends that they need for one another. May you help us to draw close to one another as we draw close to you. Some of us are brand new to church in general. We don't even know, Lord, if, if we want anything to do with it. God, I pray that the witness of those of us who know and love you would be so prevalent and apparent 
that those far from you cannot help but want to draw near to you because in a world where everyone tries to just have everything in common or else they cut people off, they will see that we may not have everything in common, but who we have in common is everything. We love you, Lord. Meet us here. Work in us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We want to be a church where people are changed by God to change the world. If you want to partner with us in this way, you can start by doing these two things. The first, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast, you can do that by hitting the subscribe button wherever you're listening so you can stay connected with us and we can broaden our reach. And the second, and this might be the most important thing you do, share this message with someone you know. And as always, remember you are prayed for, cared for, and loved. See you next time.